Oh, boy, here we go for the Monday show, and it is going to be a little different here on the Big 49 today, let me tell you that. It is going to be the stretch show minus moto is what it's going to be. I am not going to run any of the moto interviews I have because I am going to stretch these out for the next two weeks because this Saturday there is no Supercross racing going on. We, like idiots, will do a moto show. I may or may not be there. I do have an event to go to on Saturday because I know there's no racing, so I'm probably just going to go to that and not be there for any type of moto show on Saturday. But it looks like we are going to be a little dry on the moto run for the next two weeks. Then when we come back to broadcasting it Saturday, April the 8th, it will be myself, Moto Man, and Jason out at... uh, God, we'll, we'll all be out at Glen Helen early in the morning, and we'll be doing that. And then the whole shenanigan crew will be back in effect when we get to the night racing, which we will cover that. So we'll be at Glen Helen for the two-stroke nationals early in the day. And then that night when they race at Glendale, Arizona, we will all be back in the studio to cover that. So that is the whereabouts of Moto on the stretch show today. There will not be a lot, but I do have a ton of of stories to get to in the meantime and that's what we will talk about this morning first uh, starting off with uh arkansas when here's what's happening when police come up to you and say uh the people you were with what are their names and you're like oh i don't know i only know the guy's name is uh, mike i I have no idea uh, anything else he drives a black car and his name's mike yeah that's it's a bad sign that you're up to bad things We had a murder take place, and granted, it was an accidental murder, but I'm going to give you the story, and it's hard to follow because no one knows anyone's names. I got a restaurant that accidentally served uh, some bad food in New Hampshire, and they're apologizing their butts off. They're also taking no accountability for this whatsoever. We'll get into that story. We got a story about... Delta Airlines. Uh, They had an experience right here at Los Angeles International Airport on Saturday when a numbnuts went crazy on the plane. And by the way, think about it. I know I'm one of those guys, man. If somebody did that, I'm going to get up and I'm going to start throwing down. I'm going to start bombing on them and I'm just going to beat their ass. Yeah, nobody did anything because when it happens in the moment, just like when you're a victim of a crime, most of the time you're like... Hindsight's 2020, but when you're in the moment, you're like, what's happening? What, what is this guy doing? Is this real? Like, you don't you don't put it all together at the time when it's unfolding so fast. You don't have those quick thinking reflexes of these professional athletes like the motocross guys. You don't make split second decisions and then have to deal with them. You just usually sit there and go, what? What? Oh, what? What's happening? This is crazy. I have the ultimate squatter story, and it happened right here in California, and I love this story. It should be a model of how to deal with squatters, and I love that it happened here in California, and I love that the police in California were absolutely worthless when it came to this story, and this guy took matters into his own hands, and it looks like he has found the new way to get rid of squatters, not in six months, but today. So we'll get into this. I mean, we also, that's another one where I think if somebody squatted in a property I owned, I'm going in there with bats and guns and uh, they're leaving. And then I would end up in jail is what would happen. I'm 100% positive of that. 
I have a behind-the-scenes look at what some of the biggest universities in America, most prestigious universities in America, are doing to make a ton of money off woke-ass idiots. And then I'm going to go down the rabbit hole of tabloid news and talk about an alien story that I have. You know I love alien stories, and they usually are top of the docket, but this one I'm, I'm not putting that much in, so we're not going to do that with this one. I have the uh, alien story that I'm going to talk about. I have a guy that died of shock after getting his balls squeezed so hard. Yeah, it's amazing. And then I got a horrible story right here in America about a lady that was the first female cop in an area who is now suing because the male cops made her life a living hell. Literally, we'll get into that as well. So all of that and much, much more. Strap it in, strap it on. It's the Monday show here on a big 4-9. Big 4-9. It is a stretch show here. I, I, it's funny. I feel like a super cross racer. A couple clicks, a couple clicks. Uh, I, I got adjusting to do today. Let me tell you what is ha- what happened yesterday. So I'm doing the uh, press conference recording after that uh, races went down in Seattle. I'm in my home studio, and I'm sitting there. And for the most part, I record everything down, and then I got to go back and do massive, massive, massive editing to get all the interviews together. And that's what I do, and I do that, and it takes hours to do those, hours of work to do those six interviews every week. And I, I'm sitting there just recording and kind of not really paying attention in and out of the press conference because whatever. And I've got my headphones plugged into my computer that I record everything into, and, and it's also my editor. All right, well, there's a master control. Imagine what, like it's like an external sound card, but it's a very expensive high-end external sound card and it runs everything that runs into my computer and everything that comes out of my computer is ran through this like it's like an amp sound card and it's got individual settings for every little thing my microphone has individual settings the main mix has individual settings the computer input into it which is the music beds have individual settings that need to be much lower or they will be too loud and you won't be able to hear the vocals and there's just settings here and when I do phone calls there's all these different ports on it and they're all exactly set and I've done the show like this for three years as is just three years I do the show well yesterday while I'm recording like a dumbass kind of not paying attention I get up at one point during the press conference and I don't take my headphones off and my headphones are plugged directly into this external sound card and when I get up, it pulls the sound card, which my computer is sitting on top of. My computer sits on top of the sound card. It's a desktop. And then when I walk away, it pulls the sound card forward, and my computer and the sound card dump over onto the floor. And as it started to fall, it hit the desk before it fell. And when it hit the desk, it turned every single setting on that sound card was altered yesterday. And it took me hours to get the show to where I could record. The Moto Minutes were a little off. Everything's off right now, and now I've got it back to where it's okay, but there's parts where sound overmodulates, and I am trying. Literally, it's like it's like Supercross. You always hear the guys go, yeah, just you know, a couple clicks here, a couple clicks there. That's what I'm doing as I try to fine-tune the show back to what it sounded like for the last few years because anything different is going to sound different because it's been the exact same settings for three years now. Big 49 is three years old in May, so just about three years. And I've been doing the show since really before the debut. We did, we did mock runs 
Back in the day when my wife was correct, when there were three people listening to the Big 49, and that would be me and Moto Man and our other partner, Greg, and that was it. No one else listened to it. No one had the link. It was a secret link, and we were listening to it. I just started doing shows, and we wanted to hear the production and everything as it all sounded, and there was a good couple of weeks or more that we ran it like that, just like it was going, even though no one could hear it but us. Now, there's a lot more than the three of us listening to the radio station. How many? I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go into it. Because here's what's weird. There's reasons to hold back information because I know we're monitored by terrestrial radio and I know we're monitored by uh, the Moto Media. And then people try to want to get a number on us so they can try to discredit our numbers or whatever. I got hard proof of every listener I have because it's it's an, I have an IP address of every single listener I have. So I have all that and I'm gonna use it when I need to with advertisers and not throw it out here. That's why we'll tell you we have 17 listeners. You wanna argue it? Let's go. I'm really a lot more than 17, a lot more than 70, a lot more than 1,000, a lot more than 100,000, a lot more than 200,000, a lot more than 300,000, a lot more than 400,000. There's a lot of people listening to the Big 49 now. And then you add in our other product, which is westofnash.com, our country station. Yeah, you're, you're up in that big baller neighborhood of a hell of a lot of listeners. So it's pretty cool. All right, I, I was going to go into my story. I'll just keep going. That's what I'll do. I got no moto today. I can do what I want. It's the Stretch Show. My name's Stretch. Do what I want. Let's get into this. 66-year-old man in... Uh, Arkansas killed by a bow and arrow, a crossbow. And the cops go in to investigate, and what they find out is his neighbor, a 44-year-old lady named Christina Gayton, she's like, oh, yeah, I know when that happened. So that they find this old guy dead in his apartment, and they're like, hey, you know anything about your neighbor getting killed? Did you hear anything? Oh, yeah, I know when that happened. There was, uh, I was dating a couple of guys and one came over while the other one was here and well, it got crazy and well, one shot at the other one with a bow and arrow. They must have accidentally hit him. Oh, uh, they're like, really? What are your friend's name? Oh, uh, well, one's name Mike. And they're like, Mike what? I don't know. I only know his name is Mike. And then what's the other guy? The guy that shot the bow and arrow. What's his name? Oh, his name's G. You're like, really? And it keeps unraveling as they go in. There's another guy that was in there sitting and waiting for the other guy in the car and his name is Six that's all I know Six yeah he drives a dark blue vehicle so that's what they had to go on and then they end up tracing it back that sounds like this lady was either a whore or a prostitute not to slam her in any way but that's the way the article is written and she was dating a guy for a couple of weeks and then another guy came over and he was there when that guy got there and he said if you're gonna bang this guy for money you're gonna have to give me some of it and he wouldn't leave her apartment so they left and then the other guy comes back later with a bow and arrow and shoots the other guy they get in a scuffle the bow and arrow goes off and then they say they heard someone yelling for help to call the police and then they all ran away well guess what it was it was the 66 year old neighbor who had a freaking arrow in him and then none of them called for help and they all ran away and the old neighbor died and now the cops have put all of these pieces together and they found out mike was a guy named michael clark who, by the way, was the uh, guy that got injured by G, who they found out to be Jerry Crutcher, even though that would be J, not G, but hey, it is what it is. People are stupid. 
He's 56 years old. And uh, apparently he's the guy that they say had the bow and arrow. Uh, Six has got a name. All these guys have real names. And these cops had to put all this together with uncooperative witnesses and a dead man. You'd like to think that they they would have helped the old guy when he got shot. But no, that's not what happened. Love that. People are wonderful. You gotta love those neighbors. And when anyone says, I don't know the name of my friend. Yeah, their name is... Uh, uh, OG or their name is uh, Pimp Daddy yeah they're probably up to bad things really bad things when cops come to me and they say what's your friend's name I say his name's Moto and they go what's his last name and I say man and they say your friend's name is Moto Man I'm like yep that's all I know him by I don't know I don't know well I had no idea what his real name is I thought that's what his mama named him Moto Man yeah my other friend yeah his name is uh Bookie, his first name is Bookie, and his last name is Kyle. He drives a, a, a truck, a pickup truck. Moto Man rides a Honda 70 everywhere he goes. That's why we call him Moto Man. He's living up to his birth-given name. All right, what's your other friend's name? His name is Jason. Okay, what's Jason's last name? Uh, well, his middle name is From, and his last name is H-Y-R. Yeah, those are my friends. I don't know their real names. As I tell the popo when they roll up. And they're like, who is riding around on motorcycles around here? And I'd say, well, most likely it was Moto Man. And they're like, where couldn't he live? And I say, he doesn't live anywhere. He's homeless. He lives on a couch at the radio station a lot of the times. Where's the radio station? I don't know. We've got to keep that a secret. we got a lot of gear we don't want to get stolen. Nobody knows where the radio station is. That's one thing we keep a secret for sure. Yeah. So, beware. When you only know nicknames of your friends. You might be shady characters like us here at the Big 49. My name is Stretch. Last name R-E. Or Stretch Roberts. You can you can give me that. They know my name is Stretch Roberts. There we go. All right. Let's get on with our next story. How about you go out to eat dinner, have some dessert after a wonderful Italian dinner, and next thing you know, you're not feeling so well. But I think these people are kind of giant vaginas, to be honest with you. Because I think they should have enjoyed what they got. Instead, they freaked out and called the cops, and now people are in trouble. It's the Big 49. All right, if you're under, like, 70 years old, you might not know who Dick Van Dyke is. He's an actor that was famous from a whole bunch of Disney movies way, way, way back in the 60s. And he's an icon. He's 97 years old now. He still drives. I know that because he almost ran me over one time in his white Jaguar in the Ralph's parking lot near my house. And I was like, hey, what are you doing, him? At first that I saw it was freaking Dick Van Dyke, and I felt bad for, for like, a minute or so. But anyways, he had another car accident recently, and now he says that California Highway Patrol is suggesting that he retake his California driving exam again before he gets back behind the wheel. That's because you're 97. You shouldn't be driving, you old bastard. I saw it with my own eyes. You are a horrible driver, Dick Van Dyke. You're a wonderful man, but a terrible, terrible driver. Right, this is pretty tasteless for some douchebag to have done. They hacked the Facebook account of deceased actor Ray Liotta, and they've been posting porn clips and other things that are just, you know, like a nine-year-old. But now they have posted a rest-in-peace message for a very alive actor, Bruce Willis. They say that he died on the account. Now, that is all fake. Ray Liotta's family is panicked, and they are trying to do everything they can do to have Facebook give them back control of the account. Stay tuned for posting from Ray Liotta. 
This is kind of cool. The four Nordic countries of Sweden, Norway, Finland, and Denmark have decided with Russia beating the crap out of their neighbor, the Ukraine, and showing aggression in the area, that they have banded together. They signed a commitment that will make their 250 fighter jets one big fleet, which will make them one big country to kick ass in the skies over the Nordic area, which will give Russia something to think about if they come through there, because we've seen their air superiority is not really playing a factor in the Ukraine. They come into a real air force, they're gonna get their ass handed to them. Big 4-9, it's a stretch show. By now we're gonna go to New Hampshire with Dr. Dre and the Snoop D-O-double-G. Yeah, the old restaurant, got some wonderful Italian food. You know, like, this sounds like a good place to go. Only problem is they serve THC-laden ice cream unbeknownst to them. Here's what happened. It's Friday night. People go to this restaurant and Everyone's having a good time. It's called Angelo's Amore brand ice cream. They're eating at, uh, it's called the Roots Local Cafe and Catering in Newmarket, New Hampshire. And people started getting sick and some people started getting a racing heartbeat, which seems weird. Others started getting dizziness and weakness and people started freaking out. They ended up in the hospital because they didn't know what, what had happened. And as they started investigating, they realized every single one of them had been at this restaurant and every single one of them had had the ice cream. So they're at Roots Cafe, they're having the uh, Angelo Amore's ice cream. And then they find out it's been laced with THC. Yep, the primary psychoactive component of marijuana. That's what the 5-0 found out. I figure they just got stoned, went home, went to bed. They're like, dude, I just ate, but I'm so hungry and sleepy. Are the cops outside? Look out the window. Oh, man. I think the police are here. What's going on? Oh, crap. We got any cookies? Why am I so hungry? I just ate. What's that sound? It's the police. They're coming for me. Like, that's what's happening. But no. These people freak out and have to go to the ER. I don't know anyone's ever had to go to the ER over weed. I know weed is way more serious than anybody lets on, especially super potent weed nowadays that it's legal most places. They say that the Roots Cafe has been fully cooperative in the investigation and they immediately forfeited all of their ice cream for testing to the police. You know that went back to the police station, they put it in the kitchen and they're like, hey man, we just got to take a little scoop out of this for, uh, you know, testing. And then you guys can have the rest if you want to get high. You know, the cops were like, oh, hell yeah. 5-0, we're all baked that day. You know that's what happened. Uh, Roots Cafe, in the meantime, they don't want to go out of business. They feel horrible for what happened. They say, hey, man, we are no longer buying our ice cream from Angelo's. F those mofos and their THC-ridden ice cream. We're not going out like that. We're not letting them fools take us down. So they are no longer getting their ice cream from Angelo Amore. And they are fully cooperating with authorities. Uh, they made a Facebook post on Friday and noted that they did not make the ice cream. They got their ice cream from Angelo Amore's and it has been removed from the store. And they say Angelo Amore is no longer in business. So what happened? Did, were they going out of business and somebody was mad they were losing their job and they dumped a bunch of freaking THC straight into the last batches of ice cream? Or, like, we don't know. We don't know the answer to these questions yet. All we know is the people at the Roots Cafe are going above and beyond to make sure nobody thinks it was them. Like, we had nothing to do with this bullshiz. 
We're not trying to get people high. If we had that kind of potent THC, we'd be taking it ourselves. We wouldn't be giving it away for free in the ice cream. Let me tell you, too, you know how much weed-laden ice cream would cost you? Putting it on a little scoop? Sad thing is there were kids, because kids love ice cream, so some kids got baked out pretty good, too. I know having a teenager uh, that at one point one of her friends, this is a true story, it was like, hey, where's so-and-so? We haven't seen her in a while. Oh, she's on, rest- on restriction. What happened? Well, and this her friend had a little sister that was like 10 or 12 years younger than her. This is when they were like seniors in high school. And the little, uh, the little sister, the cutest little kid, and she would come and we would see her at events. And apparently the kid started acting weird. And they're like, what happened? What happened? And the mom's like, you know, what's going on? Oh, yeah. What happened? Oh, I ate a brownie I found in my sister's room. She'd gone snooping in her sister's room while her sister was at school. Yeah, and it was a weed brownie. And a little kid got baked. Now, you laugh about it, but it's not funny. And you freak out as a parent. You bring your kid to the ER and you're like, I don't know why my kid's acting crazy. She's throwing up gang signs and crip walking and singing uh, Smoke Weed Every Day by Dr. Dre. What's happening? That's what these little kids are doing, too. So, Once again, the people at the Roots Cafe want you to know we got nothing to do with that ganja and ice cream. The police just said, (laughs) when they were reached for comment, hey, uh, what happened to that weed ice cream? (laughs) What? That weed ice cream that you guys confiscated from the uh, Roots Cafe? Huh? What ice cream? There's no ice cream here. What? That, you know, that's what that's how they act. Oh, God, I hate stone people. I hate stone people. They're annoyingly stupid. They're just baked out of their minds. You just want to slap them and get their attention. And even then, they'd be like, bro, why are you slapping me? Oh, man. Yeah. So there you go. If you want to get high, get some THC ice cream, I guess. Just don't leave it out for little kids and uh, don't serve it at a restaurant. And if you do, charge a lot of money for it and let people know they're getting it. That would be the ideal situation. All right, coming up next, let's get into this story. It's my favorite of the day, probably. It is about a dude who owned a house here in California, and he found squatters in it when he put it up for rent. And he didn't live anywhere near the house, so he had to deal with it, and the police were of no use whatsoever because they won't do anything anymore because let's defund the police and... They're like, oh, yeah, we don't deal with homeless. We don't deal with that. We don't deal with this. That's your problem. And they just won't do anything about a lot of crap. That's because California sucks donkey balls. And the criminals have all the rights. So we're going to get into this story next. It's my favorite and probably the new way to handle squatters. It's the Big 49. 49, it's a stretch show here on a Monday morning. Doing it a little different today. Not running any motocross interviews because... I'm milking those. I got two weeks, and I got to make those interviews last. Tomorrow, I'll bring one back. I will get yourself a little Eli Tomac up in here tomorrow. Now tied for the red plate after his win in Seattle. Him and Cooper Webb are tied. They got the same amount of championship points, both of them. So I don't know uh, if in Glendale, going to be interesting to see because I really don't know the answer to this question. Will both bikes have a red plate on it? Because they both have the same points, and they're both in the lead or does Cooper hold it until Eli surpasses him? I do not know. Right now they are tied. Eli came in first, Cooper came in second, and there was a three-point deficit and that is the difference there. 
Man, Cooper wrote his ass off. I, I respect the hell out of that guy. Eli, though, is Eli and wins when he has to win, and, and you can't say enough about that dude either, but this is a good battle. Uh, Chase Sexton might have torpedoed himself because he did not finish on the podium and is now 22 points back in the championship hunt. All right, let's get into this story. It's my favorite one of the day because we all hear about the horrible stories of squatters where people own a house, they go to the house, and there's like, somebody's living in my house. They're like, this thing's supposed to be empty right now. I'm trying to sell it or rent it out, and they're like, no, I'm here. This is my place now. Then you call the police, and the police say, sorry, they have rights. More rights than you. Sorry, not our problem. Later, you have to go to court. And then you go to court, and then they don't respond, or they get it you know, drawn out, drawn out, and you can go rapidly at six months till you can get someone kicked out of your house living there illegally. And it can take in California, where they have more rights than you, it can take years. And they'll live there rent-free and typically destroy the property while they're in there, and you're just hosed. There's nothing you can do. And this guy, he is a handyman by trade, and he said, his name is Sheldon, uh, Mr. Sheldon's video, he now did a YouTube on this, and here's what happened. His father passed away, and he had to move his mother into a nursing home because she wasn't able to take care of herself. So he went in and cleaned out their house and then put it up for rent and was taking care of his family situation. And remember, he doesn't live in the area in Northern California where this home is. So he has to come to out from out of town to do all this business. But then he says he has a lady call and she says, I'm a prison guard and I wanna uh, rent your house. And he says he does the paperwork with her and she ends up not having any money, any paperwork and doesn't have any has bad credit. So he's like, sorry, I can't rent you the house. Well, then he learns from neighbors and people around. They're like, hey, man, uh, somebody moved into your mother's house. Just letting you know. And he's like, what the hell? So he comes back, knocks on the door, and his people are like, yeah, we live here. Like, F off, and they shut the door on him. Now it's his house. He owns it. At that point, you fly into a rage and start beating ass, and at that point, you go to jail, and the squatter's going to stay in your house and probably keep it. So he calls the police. The police come and say, yeah, not our problem. Take it to court. We don't deal with these squatter issues. Even though they know it's a squatter issue, they know he's the rightful owner of the property. And the police do nothing because it's California. It's what they do in these situations. So this guy goes, well, I don't have, and then he gets a lawyer and the lawyer's like, it's gonna take six months to years to get these people out of your house. And they know that, they're gaming the system. And here's what's the deal. They set up these laws so that a landlord can't be a dick and come into a house and say, F you and your family, get out of my house and throw you out in the street. And these people have kids, by the way, that are living in this house, so they move their kids in and they teach their kids to game the system because they're all pieces of crap. They are thieving pieces of crap. So, and, and all squatters are. And they all know the law's on their side and that they have more rights than the homeowners, so they do this and they get away with it. Well, this guy basically loaded his car up with guns and his dog. He drew up a legal lease to himself because he's the owner of the property. So he said, uh, here's a lease signed to me to occupy this property on this date. And he drove down to the house and he sat outside and he watched him. He surveilled them. And he waited for a time when everyone from the house was gone, when they had all gone to work or school or wherever it is they go, these freeloading scumbag thieving bastards. 
And then he went inside and he set up shop, put his guns out, got his dog in there, posted his lease up on the wall, and he waited. And while he was there, he started moving their crap out into the driveway. While he's there filming, and he has it all on video, so he squatted on the squatters is what happened. So the police walk up, uh, the, the, not the police, but the ladies walk up, they live and say, hey, we live here, this is our house, you can't do this, you can't, you know, we'll call the police. And he said, here's my lease, no one was here, I came inside, this is my legal right, I have the legal paperwork, like, I, so he squatted and he said, I squatted on the squatters, is what he did. I'm sure the dog and the guns probably helped deter them away. And he very calmly told them, I will give you until midnight to get everything out of this house and off this property, or I'm having a junk company come and take it away and get the F out of my house, you scumbags. And it worked. And the law was on his side in this situation because he went in and squatted on the squatters. Now, it could have been really bad. It ended up, this was two women and some children that did this. This wasn't uh, a dudes, and dudes will get violent and you know crazy. And if the ladies would have had a firearm, they may have pulled that on them as well. So it's a really good way to deal with squatters. He squatted on squatters. So you wait till the house is completely empty. You make sure you have legal paperwork to show that you are legally the uh, you know leasee or renter or owner or whatever it is. Apparently, they don't recognize owners. You better drop a lease to yourself, even if it's your property like he did. And then sit down, move your stuff in, move their stuff out, call the police and say, here it is. I moved in. No one was here. And this is what happened. And that's the best thing. People are applauding this all over the Internet. They're like, this is the best thing anyone has seen in a very long time of how to get squatters out in a day. He got them out that same day. I remember this guy didn't have time. He was losing money. And he was fed up with squatters and fed up with the BS and fed up with the police not helping him. Says, even though it's your house and you're paying the mortgage payment on this house, squatters come in and they know they have more rights than you do. And they have no incentive to leave until a judge absolutely orders them to leave. And then even then, typically, once the judge makes the court order, the police will have to come and enforce the court order. Video's 20 minutes long. He got those squatters out in a day. Shout out to you, Mr. Sheldon. Something to think about if you're dealing with squatters. I love that story. All right, up next, let's get into an alien story. Uh, I'm not really buying it. I'm a big alien guy, but I see this one as pretty tabloidy. Fun theory. We're going to beat it around. But I'm going to talk aliens all in the next segment anyways, because I've been watching a really good documentary series. We'll do this next. It's the Big Four Nine. Happy Monday. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. All right, if you watch the Supercross on Saturday, during a 250 heat, there was a point where Cameron McAdoo jumped on the inside of Jet Lawrence, and they both went down pretty hard. The bikes got pretty messed up. 
both of them, but both riders walked away virtually unscathed outside of McAdoo, taking a cut across the chin from his handlebars. Now afterwards, they seemed fine. At the time, Jet was furious, and you could see after the race he was still pissed off, but in the press conference, they sat side by side and they joked about it. Apparently, McAdoo thought he could come up on the left side of Jet. Jet said he thought McAdoo was on the right side of him, so when he popped up on the left, he says it scared the hell out of him. They collided just a little bit, which made them both go down, and now they see it was just one of those racing things. In fact, Jet even quoted his brother Hunter from last week saying, we make split-second decisions in milliseconds, and things happen, and it's just racing. So all is well that ends well for the 250s with Cameron McAdoo and Jet Lawrence. I'm Stretch, another Moto Minute, coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it is a Stretch show here on a Monday morning. Before I start any further, let me do something for this early morning. Ah, my liquid death, Armless Palmer. F you, Moto Man. Ah, it's so good. So good. I, I'm, I'm not kidding. This is a flat, non-carbonated uh, iced tea called Armless Palmer, which is like an Arnold Palmer. It's only got 30 calories in a tall boy can. And it's freaking delicious. You guys got to try out the uh, liquid death stuff. It's really good. And even the flat water is really good. I bring that sometimes out to Palo when we're out there in the ice chest. And it's just freaking amazing. So get on that. Right now, I'm going to have a little more before I start this story. Going into my alien rant for the day. Over the weekend, I started watching a documentary series. And if you have followed along the stretch rants of UFOdom, there's a guy in the UFO world who is a big, big deal. His name is Lou Alizondo. He ran a program called the ATIP program at the Pentagon and then says he left the Pentagon because basically they were preventing him from doing his job. And he feels that there is a major, major, major threat to the United States of America just off our shores out in the Pacific and Atlantic Oceans, and I mean right off our shores. And they basically wouldn't let him get to the uh, heads of the Defense Department, the people that needed to know about this, and they would cock block him at every angle. And he ended up getting with all these other people who are big-time political people. I mean big-time, like uh, from the Ministry of Defense, like big, big big-time people from the Defense Department, big-time who have also have left their office and feel that the United States government is not taking this seriously. And they say, if we knew how to deal with this stuff, if they thought it was Russia or China, there would be so much money being thrown at it, it would be insane. But burying their heads in the sand is not safe for America, according to these guys. And I have always said that we are getting to a point to where they're going to lift the truth embargo and they're going to tell us about UFOs and the encounters that the government has had with UFOs. And we've all heard the stories all the way back to the 1940s when you had the initial stuff at Mount Rainier in Washington and later you had Roswell, which kind of overtook all of that. And then the Rainier one is where you had the uh, name Flying Saucer because that's what this pilot described him as. And then it just went on and on from there and really gained a head of steam. Well, I have always thought that uh, Alessandro and these dudes coming from high levels of the government suddenly are still actually working for the government and they're basically doing what needs to be done without the government actually doing it is they're 
releasing the UFO stuff. And they're doing it for the government. And the fact that most people, like regular citizens, that have interactions with what they consider to be aliens or UFOs or whatever the hell they are, most people now don't think they're from other planets. They think they're from other dimensions and they think they're interdimensional. But anyway, most people do not consider them to be hostile. Now, you do get people that have been abducted and probed and the aliens that are creatures that conduct these you know, tests on them do not seem to give two Fs about them and are looking at them like they're a lab mouse and they have no empathy for them or nothing and they are complete a-holes. So we know that. We also know that they go into, um, they can take over our nukes. They do that. They're very interested in the US military and they follow them around the ocean and they fly over all of our nuke sites. So the uh, documentary series that I found this weekend, which had been out for a while, was not at all new, but it, I just finally watched it. And it's Lou Elizondo, and he's going around with these guys, and they're gathering witnesses from these recent, incredibly uh, reliable sources of encounters with UFOs, UAPs. And they it's called Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. That is the name of this series, and I have been watching it, and it is really freaking good. I'm still leery of these guys because they are high-level government people, and I don't trust the government per se, but they're doing a really good job. And what's funny is Alessandro says in there, too, they go down to Mexico where they got a hot spot, and they go around. He's like, when he was working for the government, he could never do that stuff because the government wouldn't let him. And the crazy thing about how all these guys came together it was through the uh, a hack and information that got leaked. And Tom DeLong of Blink-182 was the dude that was sending emails to people. He's a big UFO buff. And he was reaching out to these people. That sort of came public after a hack. And then they all came together. They're like, screw it. And Tom DeLong put all these people together. These big time, big time government people with a dude from Blink-182. That's, that's the series. And they go around and interview these guys, and it's it's done really well. Shout out to whoever did that series. But I have Discovery Plus. That's where I watch it. And let me look back. You know what? I'm going to go back and see when this, uh, when this was. I'll tell you right now. So it is unidentified, and it came out probably around the time of the pandemic because that's another thing that they do. Yeah, it came out in 2021, so a couple years ago, right in the middle of the pandemic, that's when this came out. When does the government let stuff come out? When it's not really going to... I don't think... I think they want this to be a, a mellow, gradual transition to when they finally say, oh yeah, an alien landed here today, or a spaceship landed here today, or a UFO was seen here, that people are going to be like, yeah, those things have been everywhere. Everyone knows about UFOs. That's what I honestly think how they're trying to do it so they don't have to come out and say, yeah, we've known about this for years and we've been hiding it because we're shysty lying bastards. I mean, the government, I don't think it's going to get over the vaccination pandemic BS, let alone when it's finally revealed how much they've really known about UFOs, UAPs all this time and how they've ruined people's lives and threatened people to keep them quiet when they saw them and whatever and all of that. We all know that story. So if you're interested in the topic at all, 
I can't recommend that series enough. Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation. And it's only, I think, eight episodes. And I am currently through... Uh, I'm into the fifth episode right now. No, it's only six episodes. So I've only got a uh, little over one, you know, one and a half left. But it's really, really good. Uh, go check that out. And judge for yourself. Uh, maybe Lou Elizondo is the ultimate patriot. Maybe he's the guy that's like, you know what? I, the people need to know this and I'm coming out. I just have a feeling if a guy from that high level came out, that they would have silenced him by now. They would have put him in jail. They would have killed him. They would have done something. Look what they're doing to the former president because they don't like him and they don't want him back in power because he wants to drain the swamp. Look at the just relentless attacks that guy's undergone. Lou Elizondo, they just said, yeah, no, he never worked here. And then he proved that he did. And there's all kinds of people that can prove he did. And that's just the worst they've done. So the fact that I still think he's got better ties with the Pentagon than he would have you believe. But that's just my opinion. No matter what, the guy's doing amazing work on this documentary series with Tom DeLonge and these other guys from the... I mean, they got a dude that ran Skunk Works on the show. They got a dude from the Defense Department on the show. They got Alessandro from the Pentagon on the show. I mean, these guys are plugged-in individuals, so pretty cool. Another thing I found, which is more tabloidy in the UFO world this weekend, it was a story about aliens stealing human sperm and eggs but once again something we've heard for years and that there is a hybrid race of aliens right here on earth that could be your neighbor could be your school teacher could be your mother-in-law like you don't know they say they look exactly like us and they're out there and next time you're at the shop you see a person that's acting a little off they might be an alien they may not be a full human being or they're a hybrid human being that was taught by the aliens and put here on earth to you know study us and that's how they're going to take us over and that's how they're going to infiltrate us is by putting aliens out there according to this article there's tons of them out there they're out there everywhere they're in every neighborhood and you never know when you're meeting one you could have gone on a date with one moto man could have been up on grinder and met a, a, a gay alien a galian totally different a Galian is, is, is a very different than an alien. Moto's friends, they could have been hanging out. So all these people are now giving their stories about hybrids out there. Now we've heard the that they've been breeding us for a long time. We've heard that and heard that and heard that. that they've been abducting people and people have said that they've been brought back on ships after they've been abducted. And then they're brought, children are brought in that look like hybrids, look like alien slash humans and they're like yeah here they are this is your kid and then they see him and then they take him away yeah, this is your kid but you can't have anything to do with it because you're a human and humans are idiots so all in all a lot of alien stuff going on out there that I love to talk about here on the show but up next how about this story a landlord renter dispute leaves the landlord dead after his balls are grabbed allegedly the renter says something completely different happened. We'll let you be the judge of it. Stomach 49. Big, big, big. The 
Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. Over the weekend, the MXGP was back racing in Sardinia, and Jeffrey Erlings is back. That guy got hurt back in 2021 when he was pushing for the title and hasn't won a race since then. And then not only did he win this weekend, it was his 100th win in MXGP. That's how dominant this guy is in this sport, man. Jeffrey Erlings of the Red Bull KTM team, who they wanted to bring to America to race outdoor a couple seasons ago, but because of that injury, he wasn't able to do it, is the man. 100 wins in NMXGP is pretty freaking phenomenal. Congratulations to Jeffrey Erlings and that Red Bull KTM team over in the MXGP. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 49, it's a stretch show here on a Monday. You're a simple man, I'm a simple man, simple man, gotta get up in the morning, gotta do a job or two or three or whatever you gotta do to survive. To put in the work. Know that there's something up above. Be a good person, treat people well. That's all you can ask for in life. That's all the guarantees we got. So imagine this, you got a little investment property, you got a tenant there. You're having problems with that tenant. Um, and your name is Oladell. Last Saturday, you decided to go over to your apartment to talk to your tenant that you're having a problem with. And you have a confrontation with this lady. This is a single mother who's living in the apartment and she's saying that she had stopped paying for any utilities or paying for anything because like the water wasn't working and all kinds of awfulness like she's saying there was bad stuff going on at this apartment and she also says that the guy accused her of being a prostitute and slapped her up and his wife was with him and the wife uh, smacked her up too. That the husband and wife beat beat her up and told her she was a hooker and to get out of the apartment, and throw her out. This was not in America because, by the way, you can't do that in America. They would have been in jail, and the renter would have been able to stay there rent free forever after that. No, but here's what's happening. The lady says that at that point there was the scuffle. She says she is not paying her part of the electric bill because of the repairs and things that need to be done to the apartment and that they beat her up, and that was the end of the story. Well, the man is dead now. Mr. Oladell is dead. His family says he collapsed after fighting with the tenant when she grabbed him by his testicles and squeezed them so hard he went into shock and died. Grabbed him by the testicles and squeezed them so hard he went into shock and died. You ever been hit in the nuts? It hurts. Typically not fatal. But that's what the family's saying. Now, granted, this is not in America, like I said, so we're getting sensationalized uh, versions of events, I believe. But the police commissioner says they are looking into uh, what is happening, and they have arrested the tenant and transferred her to the homicide section of the state criminal investigation department for further investigation and prosecution. So they are believing the landlord at this point that at some point this lady grabbed this older dude's nuts and squeezed him so hard that he died. That's crazy. Simple man, I got a problem tenant. 
and they grab my balls and kill me. That's not a good way to die. I might rather be eaten by a shark, maybe. And you know how I feel about that. Ah, grabbed his balls and squeezed him till he died. I didn't know that was possible. But she's going to trial. It's not the family going to trial for what the tenant said was attacking her and beating her and calling her names. Dude! That's crazy. All right. Note to self, if someone grabs your balls, just give up. I, I surrender. Because they might squeeze them so hard you die. All right, coming up next, I'm going to tell you about a flight that was going from LAX to Seattle. I think they were heading to the Supercross. It was Saturday morning. There was definitely up people on that plane heading to the Supercross. And, well, the plane never left because when it pulled away from the gate, bad things happened. And we all say, I'd do this, I'd do that, but no one did anything. The only people that handled it correctly are the baggage handlers at LAX. That's who. So we'll get into this story next and show you how worthless we all are in the moment of the few seconds you have to react in a situation like this. Step make 49. Big, 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 big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. There's a new Ronnie Mac video up on YouTube that was published yesterday, and it's all about Ronnie being at the Red Bull Day in the Dirt down south, where he went freaking buck wild down there. Apparently, he was there for the entire event, and he raced at a bunch of different events. But the highlight of the video to me, there's a pit bike race that seems to be no holes barred, and throughout the entire race, Ronnie Mac is not only taking people out, a la Jason Anderson style. He's straight up kicking people when they get next to him. He took out everyone that got anywhere near him and says he rode to the wind because he's 69% faster than everybody else out there. I gotta tell you, this video is probably 69% better than any other YouTube video you're gonna see today. So go check it out. The Ronnie Mac wins day in the dirt down south. I'm Stretch. Another Moto Minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now. Big 4-9, it's a Stretch show. Picture this in your mind. It's a Saturday. Beautiful, beautiful weekend we had here in Southern California. Finally, no rain. It was just like spring outside. Sunny and perfect weather. Great days to go riding on the dirt bike. Also great day to jump on a plane at LAX, fly up to Seattle and see the Supercross on the west side for the first time in uh, several weeks. A lot of people were doing that. It was a Delta Airlines flight leaving Los Angeles Saturday morning heading to Seattle. When a man, right after the plane pushed back from the uh, gate, a man jumped up and ran to the front of the plane and said, what do I do now? And the flight attendant said, sir, take your seat immediately. At which point he just ran to another door, opened the emergency exit. And at this point you're like, okay, craziness is happening. And everyone just sat there and he opened the emergency exit, jumped and slid down the slide and started running across the tarmac at LAX. At that point, baggage handlers grabbed the dude and held him down until the airport police arrived. Who's the only person to behave properly in this situation? The baggage handlers at LAX. What did everybody on this plane do? And what have we all said since 9-11? Dude, that ever happens when I'm on a plane, I'm gonna beat the crap out of that dude. I'm gonna go down swinging, because immediately you're thinking, this person's gonna do something bad and we're on a plane, which is a good chance if they do something bad, we're all going to die, each and every one of us, and many other people around us, because we are basically riding in a giant bomb. Ah, uh, nobody did anything. Nobody did a damn thing. And what's crazy is, 
You'll hear excuses of why people do nothing. I'm looking at a picture of this guy right now. He is a little fat man, a little middle-aged fat guy, wearing a striped Freddy Krueger sweater and pants. He's got a little pot belly, and he has got uh, the Friar Tuck hairdo. He's bald on top. He is not a very menacing person. He had no weapon. Why no one jumped up and beat the living bejesus out of this guy? I do not know. Now, know this. We didn't know he was going to open the door. We didn't know he was going to go down the slide. So were people waiting for him to do so. But as soon as he started to open the door, you know your flight is effed because that plane can't fly. That plane has to go in for repair to have that slide fixed before that plane can fly. So you know at that point, all right, this guy's a crazy. Let's subdue him. And then we'll go back to the gate and they'll take him away. Second he tries to open the gate, somebody should have beat this guy's ass. And nobody did a damn thing. The FBI is always at all the airports, too, just like they're at all the social media companies. And they were able to uh, come in and interview the guy. Delta Flight 1714 operating from Los Angeles to Seattle returned to the gate due to an unruly passenger. The aircraft was holding the taxi for takeoff when the passenger exited the aircraft and was detained by Delta baggage handling staff ahead of being arrested by local law enforcement. Yeah, shout out to the baggage handlers in that situation. They're the only people that did it right. Yeah, they, this guy is... I don't even think they got a name on him yet, but he is under arrest. People on the plane, they're talking to you going, I always thought, you know, I, I would do something, but I just sat there. Yeah, you sat there and did nothing and watched yourself get killed. You need action. But if you jump up and beat the hell out of a guy that hasn't done anything yet, you're going to get prosecuted. I say it's worth grabbing him and restraining him, and then if he fights you, you can fight back. Yeah. Craziness. What are we going to do, people? Apparently, we're going to do nothing. And I'll tell you, I've been guilty of that, too. There is a thing I have relived in my head. There is a moment when... I sat and watched in disbelief at something happening before my eyes and didn't do anything because I was like, there's no, like, is this a joke? Is this guy screwing around? And I had a green light to beat the living shit out of a horrible human being, and I did not. It was a green light. I, he was greenlit, and I didn't do anything. I sat there watching it, knowing, thinking, oh, man, if I beat this guy's ass, I'm going to get in trouble, but because he's he joking? Is he serious? Is he not? And then... The situation was over, and he wasn't joking, and it was horrible. And I'll tell you what that situation was. That was a guy named Bill Handel. He does the morning show on KFI, and he is a terrible, terrible, terrible human being. That man is a vile, disgusting piece of crap, and he's an arrogant, a-hole son of a bitch. And he is so lucky he did not get a stretch ass beating of biblical proportions on the day he came into our studio and got in Jamie's face and then shoved our uh, gay producer up against the wall forcefully. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, I, and then I, I, I sat there thinking he was joking and then he stormed off and I didn't. And I sat there and I regret that to this day that I did I got in an elevator with him one day afterwards and he knew it he knew who I was and he's usually a pompous douche talking blah 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 at all times look at me look at me look at me and he got in an elevator one day and I was in it and I and and, and I literally if I did anything to him now I would go to jail and he would sue me cuz he's a big giant vagina and I literally sat there looking at him going man 
and I should and he looked at the ground like a big giant puss and didn't say a word that elevator moved and that's the most silent that man has ever been in his life because he was in an effing cage with a freaking wild animal named Stretch and I just sat there looking at him and staring at him and waiting and if he would have said boo to me I would have beat his ass and he knew that and that was the only time I've ever been around him since that day that happened and I was like I knew better than to beat his ass and end up being the bad guy I'm not going to be the bad guy he's the bad guy he's a bad human being and his children are spoiled rotten little douchebag cunts sorry to say that but that's what they are and that's what started that whole situation man that is a vile, vile human who is arrogant and drunk with his power at that building and came into our studio and was completely wrong because his kids told him Jamie had yelled at his kids and got in Jamie's face screaming at her and then took our producer, who is a little flaming gay guy, and slammed him against the wall, which, by the way, was never brought up by the people at iHeart. They never said, hey, wow, that was like some gay bashing going on there. The fact that he did that to that guy and not and didn't try to assault anyone else in the room, and he damn sure didn't come to my side of the room where I was sitting going, hey, what's going on? And like, literally, I saw it unfold. He was a terrorist in a room doing terrorist things, and I literally sat there watching going, what the hell's happening? It's, it's what we do. That's what the LA story reminds me of, the LAX story of the guy. We're all like, is this really happening? What is this guy? And, and it's not like... He's so physically intimidating, you're you're worried about him doing anything. You're like, what is happening? And then the guy's just going crazy. Yeah, that's one regret I have in my life. If I ever get the chance to literally tear off that man's head and crap down his throat, I am going to take it. And I was waiting to take it the one time I got near him since that happened. A vile, vile, disgusting human that should never be listened to and should be boycotted by advertisers everywhere, in my opinion. Horrible, 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 horrible person. And I got more, but he'll sue me too. He's also a lawyer. But I got dirt on that dude that goes miles deep, the bad things he's done. Yeah. And yet he's never been cancel cultured, still has a job. He is a prick a-hole. Anyway. So just know, when things hit the fan, most of the time, you, including me, won't do the right thing. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 49. Big 49, it is a Stretch show here. On a Monday morning, we got no motor interviews today. I'm saving them, kind of saving them up. Going to rational, uh, ration them out a little bit this week as we go on. Tomorrow, we'll get Eli Tomac on the show. Right now, I'm going to tell you a story about woke being big business for academia. Really big business. And it's stemming from academia where they are indoctrinating the youth and trying to brainwash them with the BS. And it is big business, man. They now, at universities like Harvard and Yale, are peddling woke hysteria by charging thousands of dollars for... Diversity, equity, and inclusion. Have you heard that? If you work somewhere and they have hired a diversity, equity, and inclusion person, they have been scammed. And they are paying this person a really big salary to push controversial ideas at best. And your company is moronic. 
and they have already been taken advantage of. And th that has become every big business. Now they want to be like, they don't want to get cancel cultured. So if someone says something off color or someone makes a racial joke or something happens, they don't want to have to go, oh man, we, you know, it was a moron saying something stupid. No, they want to say, well, we have a DEI specialist who has a DEI certificate from Harvard. And these are certificate programs, they're not degrees. And they're charging at Harvard $12,400 for an online course that offers critical knowledge and skills to address bias and marginalization. At Yale, they have for $3,600, they have a fostering inclusion and diversity program, which includes lessons on combating unconscious bias. Because I don't know if you know this, you're racist even though you don't know it. You are un unconsciously racist and biased towards minorities and marginalized people and gay and transgender people. That's what they're peddling and that's what they're pushing. They say besides those Ivy League institutions, dozen more uh, schools around the country are offering courses which are mostly taken online. Some can be completed in just a few days and many are targeted at business executives and individuals looking to break into the burgeoning DEI field, which is an industry now worth over $8 billion a year in America where we peddle BS. Now they say there's a growing concern that colleges and universities are being permeated with left-wing ideologies at the expense of open debate and free speech, which is 1,000% true. That is exactly what is happening. Uh, the issue reached a boiling point earlier this month when a federal judge was abused by students at Stanford Law School as its associate dean for diversity, equity, and inclusion watched but did not intervene. A federal judge at Stanford Law School got attacked by the little Wokies and their DEI dean, the associate dean of diversity, equity, and inclusion did nothing. Stanford's Graduate School, by the way, has a $1,500 course titled Leverage Diversity and Inclusion for Organizational Excellence. It's a money grab. All of these people have deemed this little, coined this little phrase of diversity, equity, and inclusion, and they teach those topics I talked about, how everyone's racist, everyone's biased against uh, gays and minorities and transgender people, if you know it or not. And the sooner you accept that, the sooner we can move on. Now there's a guy who uh, named Mike Gonzalez, which is not a Caucasian, just for the record. He has uh, commented on this story and says, there's no place for this in American society, period, least of all in a university, which is supposed to be devoted to truth and discovery. Gonzalez says these courses, uh, courses push an ideological political strategy and produce political uh, commissars. Adding the sad thing actually is people can make good money out of this certificate because we have created an industry of absolute nonsense in America. And all of the companies that don't want to get labeled racist or anti-gay or whatever are buying in and putting people either through this training or hiring someone with these certificates that pay a lot of money to have these BS certificates. It's nuts. America has lost its mind. Uh, Harvard's Equity, Diversity, Inclusion, and Belonging Leadership Graduate Certificate offered through its Extension School 
comprises four courses, which are $3,100 each, where you will gain critical knowledge and skills to address bias and marginalization and to foster an inclusive corporate culture. It provides the skills and tools you need to facilitate dialogue, address unconscious bias, and build an inclusive organizational culture. Yeah. I saw a great rant from Bill Maher the other day, and I hate Bill Maher. I think he's a left-wing douche. He's becoming, he's realized that the left has been taken over by woke a-holes and is pulling his own head out of his own ass. And he had a really good, basically, breakdown on how the last place that is merit-based is athletics. It's the last place. They're not saying, all right, we need to have a, a, a gay guy, we need to have an Asian guy, we need to have a black guy, we need to have a white guy, we need to have uh, some Latin guys. And they're, they're not doing that in sports. In sports, they're like, who's the best player at this position? You don't make it into the NBA unless you're one of the best in the world at that position. And... It was a really good point. Sports is the last, last bastion of merit-based uh, success. And he gave it a great example. He said, granted, in acting, getting in the door is half the deal, and you've got all these famous people with their famous kids who get in the door because of they're the famous kids, and they get out there. There's a big backlash against that right now. Well, there's also been a lot of looking at for LeBron James kid, Bronny, who's going at college age now. He's going to definitely play college and then probably get a shot at the NBA. But he's not going to get some huge deal like his dad unless he's good. He might get a shot, but he's not going to succeed and go if he doesn't have the skills to do it because that's not going to work in the NBA. No one's going to be like, oh, this is LeBron's kid. I'm, I'm going to pay him $30 million. They may give him a shot over another kid. There will be some of that in there, but I think it's a really good point. And these certificate programs and this stuff is nonsense. And the fact that this is an industry of just BS is insane. And it's paid $8 billion a year in America. And the woke-ass, bitch-ass academia mofos that created this crap are the ones benefiting the most from it, making money on it. And then all these corporate, all the people that get these certificates go out to these big corporations and if you don't hire me, you're racist. And then if you have an incident there, I'm going to point out to everyone you're racist. It's like, it's extortion is what it is to hire one of these people, in my opinion. It's extortion to bring these people into your company. And that's okay. Because that's what you need to pay. Because you know why? You're racist and you don't even know it. That's why you need to pay it. You need to just hire that person. Come to the big 49, knock on the door, ask for the boss and say, yeah, I want to... I'm a person with a specialization in diversity, equity, and inclusion, and I'd like to be hired at the Big 49. And watch how fast my size 13 goes up your ass as you're going, uh, getting shown the door. What the hell? Eat a bowl of dicks, people. Seriously, pull your heads out. I'm Stretch. It's the Big 49. Big, big, big. big. The Big 49. Moto. Minute. Brought to you by LBZ. After the Seattle Supercross, I went through and just looked at a bunch of the riders' reactions on their social media accounts. Like Cooper Webb, the guy came in second place overall, didn't lose the red plate, but Eli Tomac gained ground and they are now tied for championship points. And this is what he had to say. Not our best day, not our worst day. Back to work to be better for Glendale, Arizona, thanks to my team. That guy sounds like a guy that came in seventh place. He came in second place overall and had a great night. 
Uh, back to Kenny Roxon, who did come in sixth place, says he wasn't comfortable on the track all day, but surprising, he had a fun time in the main event, so Kenny seemed pretty happy with a sixth place finish. And then also in sixth place, Levi Kitchen says he took the positives from last night. Remember, it was a hometown race for him, and he won the heat race, was hoping for really good things in the main event, but he says a freak thing happened when a rock got stuck under his brake pedal, and he had no rear brake for about half of that entire main event and that kind of cost him so he wasn't able to get further up into the back but once again Levi seemed happy with the effort so guys coming in sixth place happy Cooper Webb coming in second place not very happy but that's how it goes in the game of moto I'm stretch another moto minute brought to you by LBZ is coming up one hour from now big four nine it's a stretch show man I feel like I miss moto today I, I got no moto on here I got no mo moto interviews I'm usually stacked with moto interviews but we got no racing this weekend, which means I won't get more fresh interviews. So I got to stretch out the six guys from the podium that I got interviews with this weekend for the next this week and next week. So I'll do the 450s this week, the 250s next week. Tomorrow, I'll bring Eli Tomac on the show. That's what I'm going to do. We don't get the kind of access to these guys yet. We're, we're not big enough in the in the world of when well, we're cock-blocked to all hell in the moto media, to be honest with you. But we don't have that juice yet to get these guys up here. All right, now I'm playing the Cowboys. So I want to talk about AP. I was going to do a story about a, a police lady getting screwed over by her department. And I'm like, you know, I'm not doing that. I'm going to talk moto. Tell you what happened this weekend. Uh, 250s, Jet Lawrence dominates. Looks like the man. Because he is going to 450s as soon as Supercross is over. But Cameron McAdoo, the Terminator, who's got no Fs to give and will race with his head literally detached. He'll, he'll ride like the headless horseman. He'll carry his head under his arm and rip it because he's that tough of a dude he had a crash with jet they got heated at the moment but afterwards in the press conference they were fine uh mcadoo says you know why would i try to crash into someone and take myself out i thought i had enough room to squeeze by him on the left and i could see he was drifting to the right and then jet said in the press conference yeah i thought he was on my right i didn't know he was on the left when he popped up on my left it scared the crap out of me and then we hit, and they didn't collide. They just brushed enough to make both bikes uh, crash, and that's what happened. So, once again, no one did it intentionally. It's just part of racing, and shut up and deal with it. And they both did, and they both got on the podium in the main event. So, that was during a heat race. Aaron Plessinger, the cowboy, the guy that broke everyone's heart last weekend, uh, did not redeem himself in Seattle. He got to Seattle, and he didn't run away with it. He did not. He was all right. He had a good night. I think he finished seventh overall. Yeah, I had him picked him seventh. We had all kinds of uh, points bonuses on certain riders, and Aaron was one. I got three points on picking Aaron at seventh, and that's where he came in. Um, Eli Tomac was back to winning because he had to. Cooper Webb did exactly what Cooper Webb does. He stays at the front because he's a great rider, and he doesn't make mistakes. He just didn't have it in him to get by Eli. Chase had it in the bag, was by everyone, and did what Chase does, and then just had a spill and a turn. That happens to that guy. He It's what happened to AP last weekend. It happened to Chase again this weekend, third or fourth time we've seen that this season, where Chase had it in the bag and then went down. And, and that's probably the end of his championship hunt. He's now 22 points back in third place. He's comfortably in third, but I don't think he's getting back to that battle unless he wins out. And even then, not a chance in hell that 
Cooper and Eli are going to have bad races at the same time. So he, he's probably done. And Cooper and Eli are tied now. Eli goes first. Cooper goes second. Cooper looked like someone had just killed his puppy. He was so mad. Coming in second place. A damn good night for most anybody. Uh, Bam Bam Barsha continued to be the man. It was his 33rd birthday, and he rode himself to the podium in third place. We'll get a chat with him later this week. I dig Bam Bam, man. Bam Bam is the man. Uh, one of our favorite riders, guys, a sense of humor and is just cool. And I dig that guy. So that's the gist of what happened in Seattle this weekend at the Supercross. We were waiting on rain. That didn't happen. They did a great job with the track. All in all, fun times. Uh, this weekend, nothing. Next weekend, we're going to go back and race in Glendale, Arizona. And I'll have Moto then. Right now, I'm going to wrap it up and get out of here. It's the Big 49. Big 49, it's a stretch show. Time to get out of here for a Monday morning. Thank you for listening to us. We appreciate the hell out of you. Tomorrow, we'll get Eli Tomac on here. Get Eli early in the show, and then we run him late in the show in the final hour. And that's how we do it when we get these Moto interviews. And then on hump day, we will have Eli in the middle of the show, and then we'll have either Cooper Webb on the front and the back or Justin Barsha. Can't decide which one yet, but that's definitely what will happen. I'm stoked Justin Barsha was up on the podium this weekend. I dig that dude, and he's been he's been riding really well. He's in a contract year, and he wants to keep racing, and he's showing he's got more race in him. It's funny, 30 used to be the grandpa of this sport, and you got guys like Eli and uh, Justin who are looking good still, man. Rolling past 30, looking fine. So, shout out to those guys, old timers. <laughs> old timers that are, I mean, Barsha's older than my oldest child, but Eli is not. That's how old I am. I'm ancient. Uh, thank you to Liquid Death. Armless Palmer, highly recommended. Armless Palmer and the, the Grim Leafer are both really good. The similar, similar flavors. Unsweet iced teas in a can, an aluminum can. They're freaking awesome. Go check those out. Uh, we learned a lot today. We learned if you get grabbed in the balls, you could die. That's terrifying. We learned how to squat on a squatter. That was awesome. We learned that in the moment of action most of us choose inaction because we're not really sure what's happening is happening we learned a lot we learned that someplace in new hampshire they were serving thc laced ice cream and people were tripping balls and go to the hospital and then the police took all the ice cream and ate it is what i think we also learned the police don't do a lot because well they can't it's not their fault it's the da's and the way it's set up they don't do their job because they're not supposed to do their job anymore. America wants to become a cesspool of crap. We learned that woke-ass universities are an $8 billion a year business and woke BS. And we learned that companies that hire DEI people are full of crap, according to Stretch. I think that sums it up. I think it's good. I think I can go. I'm going to ride up out of here now. I thank you guys all for listening. I appreciate the hell out of you. Tell somebody, spread the word. Don't forget the Stretch Show podcast is definitely on anywhere podcasts are served. I will talk to you tomorrow. Till then, God bless you all, and God bless the United States of America.